Welcome back. Let's continue with our topics. Hey, that's what I mean, that is the core of programming, honest. right? That's why we make things dynamic. So it's not, I don't have to code it twice if it's dynamic. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Future proofing my laziness. forget when I was learning JavaScript, Justin took one of my scripts and I'm so proud of it. And he took it and it's, it, I, it was like 50 lines of code. And he took it and he goes, oh, let me see that. And I'm like, hey, look, I'm pro- this is awesome. Like, look what I did. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Hang on just a minute. He made it in like five lines of code. Now, <laughs> I did it with a smile, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart Alex smile. <laughs> no, no. I wanted to keep your motivation going because what you did worked. I, at least I believe, I assume it did. Oh, it worked. I mean, it worked. It worked. Yeah, yeah. Back then, it was kind of hit or miss. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Brent can understand me. No, you want to bring up the past, Mr. Gibson. I'm not sure that's going to work out well for you. <laughs> oh, I always like that. You know, I, I've done it myself, Jason, but the, I remember one, it was like, I don't know, I forget what it was, but it was like a hundred lines of code or something. And we're trying to figure out why is this not working? Why is this not working? And finally, oh, look, you misspelled this word. Oh, and yeah. I've done that a couple of times too, Jason, but I remember that one. That was the funniest yeah, one because we not- gave you a hard time about it. <laughs> Spelling was always in, and yeah, don't even get me started. I, I yeah. can't tell you how many times I've been like, listen, I've spent four hours looking at this. He's like, yeah, you spelled it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I have caught myself so many times typing true wrong because I, I swapped the U and the R, but <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, move yeah. on from that. <laughs> so next question. Okay, now, uh, next question. Is, I'm going to name a variable that next time. Just see how long it takes to mess you up. <laughs> I'm gonna make it return false. It'll be a boolean, and it'll be false. And I'll have the I'll have the uh, if statement be true if, if true. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you are. I got another one. If you want me to go with it. Yeah, yeah. Let's. What, what's your next one? How do you compare date time in an outage so that the end date is not before the begin date? Oh God, and that's not me. just for outages. That happens a lot. I want to start an end date, and I don't want the end date to be before the start date. So in my case, I've seen three or four different ways to do that. So it <laughs> depends on how you want to do it. So um, out of the box, there's a UI script that you can always get to. So it's the start end date validation UI script. And within there, you can run functions that may that will go. It's a function called like validate start date before end date or validate yeah. end date after start date. And you pass your start date, your end date, and um, uh, parameters. Send it to that UI script. It will come back as true or false, and and then you can do your messages or whatever you want off of that. I've also get numeric and if greater yep. whatever the greater number is would be the newer number. Yep, you can do the get get numeric. I've seen that. Um, I've also seen where a lot of instances use a uh, time date utility that someone wrote and they put in there. I've seen it in multiple systems. Yeah. Um, where it it does uh, uh, 
just kind of like this validate UI or this UI script. It goes and takes the two and compares them to make sure one's after the other. Uh, the simplest thing I ever saw, and I mean, in theory, it works, but I, I, it's simple, so I'm not sure. I don't know. I've always questioned that. Um, they did a filter condition on the client script, and it said, uh, is the end date, or it says end date is more than zero hours before begins or before start. And then they threw an action up. Uh, That's interesting. It, so it was like a, it was, it was like a, uh, uh, a condition, right? Uh, you, you, a it, was, condition. it was a on change uh, client script. And okay. so let's say they were changing the end date. So the end date changes, it would look to see if the condition was met that end is more than zero hours before start, and then it would throw an error message of end date must be before start date. That's pretty And clever. it was really weird. It worked, but I don't know. I've uh, it's, I mean, That is those... pretty clever, and, and you just have to do – all you'd have to do is build it in your filter list and then copy and, copy and paste the, the – uh, the condition into that condition field. Well, yeah, if you wanted to do that, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, you could even do that with the drop downs, right? And now what you're getting at is it was done with the yeah, drop downs. It was done in the drop downs, yeah. Oh really? Okay. Saying. Yep. And so it was really I mean, sorry, not a client script. I said a client script. A business rule. A business oh yes. Yeah, it was a business rule that ran on insert and update. I said on change, sorry. It was a business rule that had those conditions. Now that being said, but that leads me to wonder if a condition would work in a client script in that way. It, it might, but for the business rule, you have to go and try to update. It's not going to tell you immediately that those dates are wrong. Right. By doing it through a uh, client script that calls the UI script that I talked about, or a, a script include, and like an AJAX call to the script include that does the calculation for you, that would be immediate and you could do it on change. This is a business rule that you would have to go hit save. I, I got the two messed up in my head. Sorry. No, no, uh, you're good. That's still a pretty clever way of doing it, though. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a quick way. You don't have to know scripting that way. Huh. So um, there's but multiple ways to do it, but it depends on when you want the message or the user to know that they put the wrong date in, too. Well, so. and, and that just goes to show you there's like a thousand ways to do almost anything in ServiceNow, service now, right? I mean... Oh, there's always more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah, so. and I personally, I like to see when people get creative, but there's usually a more stable way and then a more unreliable way. <laughs> so if there's something built out, like a script include that's already there for you to use or an API to call or something like that. I always try and go that route, um, even if there is a more creative route, just because I know that ServiceNow has gone through the trouble of testing it for me. <laughs> well, yeah, if you know of that way. Now, if you didn't know that there was a UI script out there called Start in Date Validation. Right. I mean, how many people have gone through the UI script searching for, you know, something already there? I'm sure there's been some people. But... <laughs> Uh, you know, even then there's so many of them, you would not, unless you were looking for that exact thing, even on that sure. script, I, I may have loaded it in the past type of thing, but I never would have, oh, I, I very rarely check conditions. I don't care about the condition generally. 
I'm yeah, usually change, there for what the code was. Change uses it out of the box, so that's kind of how I found it. Uh, but yeah, you can you can use it for all kinds of things. So yeah, that's a good one to go use. And it's quick. It, it's and it's quick. And it's yeah, quick. I like that. So um, that's that is fantastic. I did that brings me to, to be, hold on just a sec. Back, yeah, stay, staying on that real quick. Anyone who is doing a date time check, you would still want it on the business rule, but you would also probably want a client script to do an immediate when they do it. But that's just general coding is no matter what, because it's a server side for business rule, right? You would So you want right. that one to be for sure guaranteed. Uh, same thing with you. If you're doing a client script, you should probably have your co- business logic somewhere, whether uh, I mean, it would be in a business rule somewhere to also validate even after submit, because all it takes is one, it might not even be that script that breaks JavaScript on the page. Yep. And then right. accidentally submit. Right. Uh, if it's a yeah, form submit anyway. Now, what I think is cool is on script includes, on a if you're in a client script and you do a script include, you have to do an Ajax call, right? Yep. What I found is on the uh, UI scripts, you don't have to do the Ajax, you just call them and, and do right. that. Yeah. So it's I, I I don't know I've I've enjoyed both using both before but well um, and they they're, they're trying to get us away from doing Ajax calls in client scripts well um, no they yeah. want, they got us they got us away from synchronous yeah synchronized yeah asynchronous yeah, synchronized, is what yeah. they want you to do now yeah right which makes it annoying when you're trying to do an on submit or something like that because uh, you have to wait for it but. Um, yeah, they made that a little more confusing. Uh, but stuff like the service portal as well, we haven't really talked much about that, I don't think. Um, mm-hmm. But doing everything doing everything there, uh, you still have your client script equivalent um, and your business rule equivalent, which is the script on a widget. Uh, yep. But yeah, you'd st- even there, you'd want to code it both on the client and... And server. I know that there's yeah, a lot of people would. rolling their eyes that I keep saying that, but there's I just of the of the instances I have been in, there are always plenty of only client side checks for things, and I just yes. want people to know that that's that there are ways around. I could write my own function to overwrite your function using like uh, Grease Monkey or or uh, Tamper Monkey or you know the add on. I guess add ons for Chrome slash whatever browser you're using, right? Uh, or I and can I, bring up the console, and I can overwrite your function, and now I can submit without having to yes. worry about it. Well, and yeah, I understand so, your standard user isn't going to do that, but that doesn't mean no, it's easy either. But if your user is an IT user, they're going to try to do that. Yes, and, and, I, and even I'll if not on purpose. If you break something <laughs> accidentally, yeah, you know, we're not just saying someone's going to do that maliciously, but you could still right. accidentally no. break your code, and yep. not, not enough to necessarily ruin the page from loading. But it's also... Let's say you do. I, I mean, you're you're correct. You should do both, because if you're doing that, and then let's say four months later you come back and you put something, some other client script thing on there, and it breaks the code completely, it's going to allow them to bypass that kind of stuff. So having the right. checks on the back end is a good thing too. And yep. and that's why I like using script include so much. I'm sure these guys would attest to how much I'm obsessed with them. It means that I can use almost the exact same code for the client side and in the business rule. Right. Because yep. it's literally yeah. calling the same thing. Yep. Right. Yeah. Exactly. 
So, all right. Well, that was my next question or comment. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We'll continue this topic on our next episode. Welcome to Service Sharp. This is a podcast all about service now. We'll be talking strategy, architecture, technology, and everything service now. This podcast is not affiliated with service now. The opinions expressed are our own. We're just people that are very passionate about the platform. Join us for every episode. All right. Welcome back. This is Jason Gibson. I've got Brent Peters, um, of course, Randy Haas, myself, Jason Gibson, and Justin Classwell. We are on the phone right now. Justin's actually going to be uh, be with us a little bit later. Uh, we're looking forward to him joining. We're going over some questions and uh, some, you know, um, uh, some, some things people have asked in the past and uh, through community as well. Uh, so we're going to get started. Uh, Justin, um, you have a few questions that you, you uh, kind of want to, to address. Um, not I'm Justin, Brent. but I'm Brent. <laughs> well, that's right. Justin isn't on the call yet. So, sorry, Brent. We're going to start right. with Brent. Well, I've had I've had several questions about this, and then I saw one on the community, and that's kind of what keyed me in on this is Outlook meetings. You know, doing notification that sends an Outlook meeting out of the box. There's several out there um, that are default, but there's things to them that people don't understand. So, uh, one of the the question that got me on the community was out of the box Outlook meeting for change request. Is there a way to configure it to show as busy and not as free because out of the box, all the notifications that send a calendar request through ServiceNow automatically goes as a free calendar. So it shows up in your calendar, but it shows as free time. Okay. So these, these are actually just a, a, an ICA that you write within ServiceNow in your notification. Um, most of the out of the box ones, if you go to the notification, you look at it, it's an email template. And then you go to the email template and then the message is where you have your ICA. And so in there, it's the, you begin your V calendar, you put all your stuff in there at the very bottom, end your V calendar kind of thing. Uh, if you don't understand that, there's a lot of uh, good websites out there that, um, that will help walk you through how to write these V calendar ICA files. Uh, or ICA invites. Um, you can just go out and Google ICA uh, editing, that kind of stuff, and you'll find one. Uh, but within those those out-of-the-box ones, at least, and any that you create, there's going to be a line that's called X Microsoft CDO Busy Status. And then there will be a colon. At the end of that, you can uh, by default, it's always going to say free. So that's the status that's going to show. If you change that to busy, so you can put busy in there, it will show as busy. So um, I've used this in the past for, let's see, we had a leave request that, you know, you'd go in, ask for time off, and you'd say, I'd be off this day. It would send out a calendar. 
Well, the managers of that corporation wanted to also be notified and put on their calendar. So we have a notification, had a notification, one that was sent to the customer and said, oh, they're busier out of the office. And then one that would send to the manager that was free so that they see their calendar and do their time keeping. So you would just go in and put that business status of uh, busy in there. Uh, along with that, because this is an ICA file, you can start doing attendees, you can do all kinds of different things. But because this is in a notification for ServiceNow, you can still use your variables. So you can still put in a summary from your summary field or a description from your description field, that kind of stuff. So it's great to do that. But the busy status, easy to put in there. Uh, so uh, easy to update, easy to do. Um, the Before I could even answer the question, somebody else had already done that. So <laughs> and yeah, pointed yeah. that same out. But it is just an ICA that you can go in there and say, uh, just put that code in there and it just sends the, the meeting invites. Um, it's, it's very useful throughout the tool. So uh, simple, easy to do, just Google ICA and you can start editing some of those. Little caveat, not all of them work um, though. So out of the office is the only busy status that I have not gotten to work. Uh, free, out, uh, busy, all that kind of stuff has. But out of the office, we could never get work. So it might work now. I haven't tried in a, a couple of years. So, you know, I find that's a lot that's true in service now um, fairly often that either they have a different way of doing something or that that one little piece doesn't work um, in service now specifically. And there's usually, I'm sure there's usually a reason for it. Um, but, uh, it, it does seem to happen quite often where well, most of JavaScript works, but this one part of JavaScript doesn't work. Um, yeah, well, yeah. In this case, it's because, uh, at the time, and I, like I said, with the new versions of everything coming out, I haven't tried again, but it's because of the version of ICA language they were using and recognize. Uh -huh. They did not recognize out of the office, but uh, they might now. I haven't tested it lately. I should have, but I did. Oh, that's so that's that's one of the questions I saw up there, and I've answered on other had other people ask me also. So I thought that would be a good one to talk about. So my question that I kind of was looking at was more around Flow Designer, and it was or not Flow Designer. I just finished talking about flutters on our apologize workflow. Um, and specifically the, the one that I was looking at was asking how to restart a workflow. And my first instinct was don't. That <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <Well. laughs> was my first instinct, right? Um, but there is a way now, now you, and it's not really, um, it doesn't seem to me like it's really restarting. It's it's almost like it's creating a new one because of the, the context. But you do a glide record to your requested item, and you get the sys ID of the item you're you're working for, right? Working with, and so that's just a query. So you get that, and then what you do is you do this one particular, and of course, um, it's just new workflow. You know, open and close parentheses dot restart workflow and then you pass the, the actual flow dr in uh, in between prints um with a comma then true basically it's an out-of-the-box way to restart a workflow 
with that caveat um, that restarting a workflow on something I don't think is ever a good idea, especially um, if the test tasks involved. So you've already done tasks. Now you're restarting the workflow. You're going to go back and do the tasks, right? You have approvals that are going to restart. It's, it's a little bit of a, and Brent, you know, if I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's a bit of a, yes, you can do it, but maybe you shouldn't. Well, it depends on, yeah, you got to think of all, like you were saying, you got to think of all the things that are going on. You also got to think of what the workflow is doing, what's already been fired, that kind of stuff. Um, the the place that I've seen this work and it works great is for like uh, change. Let's say you're you're going through a change ticket and you get to like the approval and they get to the cab and the cab goes, oop, nope, you forgot a lot of information on this and they reset it back to a default state and tell you to go through it all again. Yeah, yeah. If you that's, reset that's the true. workflow at that point, that's great because it's going to start all your approvals, all your other stuff. Now, the caveat to that is if your workflow has tasks that it's going to start creating, then it'll start creating change tasks again. So you'll get some duplicates. So you got to kind of kind of uh watch what you're doing there but yeah. i've seen it done and change and done successfully in change you know i didn't um, even think about change on that that being yep. a good example of where using that would be positive um, i wouldn't do yeah, it on a catalog yeah it just and i've so many times people want that on catalog well it never seemed like a great idea to me okay and i've never thought of, i mean this is just off the top of my head i could see maybe if you knew you're going to be resetting certain parts, possibly, then doing like a workflow and a sub workflow, and you could reset the sub workflow. Yeah, that's now, true. I've never tried this. This is just off the top of my head. So you could, could do that and and not screw up the whole workflow, possibly. Um, so that's something to look into. But yes, yeah. I'm with you. Um, uh, resetting workflows, you got to be very careful, but it is a possibility to do. So, but one of the, but you know, talking about workflows, one of the ServiceNow APIs, and that's what we're talking about here, right? These are, you know, you have um, new workflow and prints dot cancel current. I've used that quite a few times to, you know, cancel the workflow completely, right? Right. Um, and I've also used that in business rules when somebody forgot to build a whole bunch of catalog items correctly uh, but, but, but yeah so but there is i see a lot of use of the, the uh, cancel workflow i've seen um there is there's a whole list of those uh workflow apis that you can call so if you haven't looked that up look that up because there's a bunch of different stuff in there that you can do manipulating the workflows. And I, and, and I hate to use that terminology, but that's really what you're doing um, to start or stop or restart right. or, you know, there's all these, you know, different uh, uh, operations you can do that are very helpful when you're trying to do some basic scripting. Um, and if you have any questions about, those kind of scripts, you know, let us know. We have, honestly, we've got a lot of experience. We've got a lot of years of experience doing these uh, one-off workflows and stuff like that. Right. Um, um, so we'll, we'll be glad to answer any questions you may have. 
to to throw something in there because I, I think we didn't discuss this. I, I talked about changing all and resetting it, but really there are some steps that you got to do first. You got to cancel, then you got to delete the workflow and restart it. So you can't right. restart the one that's actually there. You restart a new one right. um, on the change at least. And that's how most of those are going to be because you got to get rid of what's there or you're going to mess up that workflow. So don't just go in and create a business role that says, uh, restart my workflow. There's some process to it. And actually, if you go to uh, the uh, the documentation site, or you could just go to Google and Google ServiceNow reset workflow, there's a uh, default workflow or business role out there that you can get that has really line-by-line -line documentation in it and tells you how to do it and what lines you need to have for what and all that. So... Uh, one that I found a little more the one I found a little more difficult is when you're working with flow designer. Canceling out a flow is not they don't have a single API for that. It's like four or five lines of code and it's a lot, yep. lot more difficult to, to cancel out a current uh, the current flow. So and I haven't been able to and I've been able to do it successfully but I don't really like the way I had to do it. So um, if you, anybody has any suggestions on a simpler script for that, hey, let me know. Send me an email because because <laughs> uh, I'm always looking for an easier, simpler way to, to do what I need to do sometimes. Thank you for listening to Service Sharp. We need to take a short break for a word from our sponsor. We want to thank our flagship sponsor for this show, the Sharpstone Group, LLC. Sharpstone is your source for all of your ServiceNow needs. Implementation, development, administration, strategy, and architecture. Contact the Sharpstone Group today at info at sharpstonegroup.com or 405-594-0100. We'd love to answer your questions or have you on the show. Contact us at servicesharp at sharpstonegroup.com or find our LinkedIn info in the notes. Additional sponsorship opportunities are available.